what, what we're going to do today is we are in the Fruit of the Spirit series. So two weeks ago we started uh, where we, we read through the passage of the Fruit of the Spirit. So we looked at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through, I think it's 20, uh, 26. I was going to say 20. Um, and then we, we kind of did an overview of it. And then what we're doing between now and Easter is we're looking every week, we're going to look at a different piece of that fruit. Um, and so last week we did uh, a week on love. This week, the fruit that we're looking at is joy. Um, and the way that we're going to be doing that is we're going to look at three different stories. Um, so there's not going to be preaching tonight, per se. We have three different people who are part of our church family who are going to come and talk about, like, what that joy has looked like in their life. So we're going to be looking at, like, the joy that was present in waiting, the joy that was present in sorrow, and the joy that was present in presence. And so we're going to look at those three different aspects of joy. Um, before we do that, I do want to read the scripture passage again that we're working our way through. So if you're physically able, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. And we're going to be reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25 this week. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So just a quick recap, and then I'm going to be inviting our first story person. Story, that's not a storyteller, story person. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, I just want to remind us where we've been. This, this is what, where we've been. If you are human, if you're human, you are made in the image of God. Every single person. Um, there is nothing that you can do to yourself. There's nothing that anyone can do to you that will ultimately completely destroy that imprint of God in you. It is impossible. And every single human being, whether people value you as human or not, there is a divine spark that is in you. And so whether you are a Christian or not, you are capable of love. Whether you are a Christian or not, you're capable of peace and love and joy and patience. And However, what Paul is getting at here is that for people who are Christians, not only do they have that divine spark in them, they now have the very spirit of God in them. And so there is an experience of love and joy and peace that isn't like a human expression of that. It's a divine expression of that. That can only be like, when you see it, you're like, that's that has stopped being human. That started being God. And so when we talk about fruit of the Spirit, what we are talking about is not like, hey, go try to be more loving. Good luck. What we're actually saying is, the more you are rooted in life in the Spirit, the more these nine pieces of fruit... Papa. All right? And so tonight we're talking about joy. And so the joy that, again, we're talking about, you can be joyful apart from being a Christian. You can be joyful apart from Christ. What we're talking about tonight is what does it look like when the presence, is a, when the, presence the Spirit of God is in someone's life and this supernatural presence of joy pops up in a way that goes beyond just a human experience. Does that make sense? Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, we have three storytellers. 
and what, the, the canvas that they are using tonight is their own life. Uh, so it's a, it's going to be, I think, just a real, yeah, I think it's going to be an incredible night for us to receive what it is they share, because what we're receiving is what's called a grace. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift that, that was given into their life, and a gr- gift that is now being multiplied into our life. So our first person tonight who's going to be sharing a story is Aisha Williams. Come on up, Aisha. So come on up. We're gonna we're gonna have Aisha share. After each person, we, we're gonna stretch out our hands. We're gonna pray God's blessing on them, uh, and then we will go on to our next story. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there's no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and there's no in the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on Erin texted me and asked me to speak on joy in the waiting. She sent me four separate text messages, and as soon as I read the first one, I said no. (laughs) I see many of you know me. Um, I didn't read the other three messages until later. I wrestled with it until I fell asleep. I was afraid and was rationalizing about why it was necessary for me to do it. I could just have coffee with people one-on-one, speak in small groups, or I could just tell them when I see them. But why do I have to stand up here? Even though I wanted to say no, the Holy Spirit told me to call Sharika because somewhere in me I knew that I had to do it. So in the morning that she called me, I had just found out that the warranty company that covers my car had found a reason not to cover my blown engine, which essentially means no more car, and I still owe quite a bit of money. I was upset and totally over the enemy. I just felt like there has been an all-out attack on my finances. Every time I think I'm getting ahead, something happens to try to knock me back. I decided to go into prayer and get some perspective. I felt like God told me that I was, in fact, in a war. And I cannot expect to be in a war and not take a few hits. He then led me to Isaiah 51. It reads, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut from which you were healed. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. I won't read the whole chapter for the sake of time, but you should. It hit me, though. He was saying, remember who you are and what you're made of. Then he took me to Isaiah chapter 54, 14 and 15. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame, and forges a weapon for his work. 
he reminded me that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. At that moment, I knew I had a choice. I could take the hit line down or I could strike back. So when Aisha called me, I was all fired up and challenged her that standing here today, proclaiming joy despite circumstance, was how we fight back. And then, of course, she challenged me back. <laughs> Hence the reason that I am standing here today as a sermon prop, practicing what I preach. <laughs> After that conversation, I reflected on my journey, and I realized that my circumstances don't affect me the same way anymore. Even though things are still happening, my response is different. I used to feel like I would take one step forward and be pushed ten steps back. But now it's more like I take five steps forward and one step back. But the enemy is trying to make me feel like I'm the same. But standing here today makes me feel like I see him. I see what he's trying to do, but I'm not going to let it work. So we got together, a little, did a little study on joy, and the first question I had was, if fruit just happens, which I know it does, if you plant a tree in the right conditions, it will bear fruit without any effort on its part. So if that is the case, then we being filled with the Spirit should, according to Galatians 5, bear fruit automatically. So why is it that some of us don't have joy? Just as a, as a tree needs certain conditions, good soil, proper sunlight, ample access to water, does my spirit, being the seed planted in me by God, need access to certain conditions in order to bear certain fruit? Is this why some of us have self-control but not peace? Or temperance but not hope? If this is so, what are the right conditions in which to bear the fruit of joy? Is there a posture I need to stay in in order to see this come to pass in my life? So we looked at scripture and compared it to our own life circumstances to come up with what we found to be the ingredients that have kept joy bountiful in our lives despite some very hard People often ask me, many of them in here, how do I do it? How do I in the midst of it seeming like things are how do I do it in the midst of it seeming like things are falling apart? Before our study, it was hard for me to explain it because it comes naturally, because it now comes naturally, not always. But like everything else, it was a muscle that I had to strengthen. So I wanted to expound on some of the ingredients that we discovered. First and foremost, you have to know what God has promised. You have to know what he says so you have a firm foundation on which to stand. And secondly, patience. But it's twofold. Time and process. Most times we tend to focus on the promise and miss the daily reward of the process. Accountability is key for perspective. I stand in here right now as an example of that because I know what God said, but I don't always remember it. I don't always see it when things are hard. That's why we lean on each other. We also found that these are necessary. Trust, thankfulness, and steadfastness. I wish I had time to expand on them, but they're each a sermon in themselves. I feel like the main point is knowing what God has promised. You have to ask yourself what you're thankful for. What are you steadfast in? None of the others matter if you don't trust who God is and what he said. I've found over the past few years that I can be completely surrounded by misery and still have joy. There was a time that I would do whatever I could to make sure I did not experience any level of discomfort. But that was before I learned that Jesus is there too. Every time I encounter brokenness and allow myself to pause and find Jesus there rather than rush through it, I meet him all over again. Joy comes from the anticipation of wondering, how is he going to do this with us? 
and remembering that all things work together. It's like the kingdom. It's the already and the not yet. God has already promised and answered me in my waiting, but it hasn't yet happened. When I'm walking in the fullness of these things, I experience freedom. Freedom to let God be God in my life, to focus on where he's calling me to go, what he's calling me to do, and who he's calling me to. This exercise stretched me, but I'm grateful to Aaron, who obviously sees joy in me even when I'm being beat up. And most importantly to God, for what he's showing me even in this process. Sharika. So I would encourage I would encourage each of you that they are they are both really good at sharing like the nuances of their stories, um, particularly in as uh, I I used to in some of the smaller settings. So if you if you really want to be encouraged um, about what it is that the Lord has been able to accomplish in and through these extraordinary women, I would encourage you to ask them, and they would they would love to share um, some of that story. For now, I want to encourage you to just stretch out your hand, and we want to we want to pray a blessing. So, in the name of Jesus, we ask that the the power of God would continue to work in and through them. We ask that the presence of your Spirit would produce not just a little joy, but joy that is bubbling up and overflowing out of them. And Lord, we pray that you would bless them in ways that are surprising to them. And would show just your generosity and your sense of humor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give them a hand. All right, our next story for tonight, Christy Collins. Where are you? Oh, there you are. Let's give Christy a big hand. Same deal. We are going to hear from her and then... You might try to escape, but we will we'll pull you back and pray for you, too. Even in the face of sorrow. And this past, that's Habakkuk 317 through 
walking down with. Um, and I love that the ESV says, I will take joy um, in the God of my salvation. It's like a choice, like you're putting your trust in him. And then the third way is the joy that comes through obedience and a life of abiding in Christ. Even, again, even in the face of sorrow. And that's from John 15, 9 through 13. It talks about abiding in the mind. And if you want to remain in God's love, follow his commands, stay in his So, So, by far the biggest way that I've known joy and sorrow in my life is through my experiences with miscarriage. And I know that this that this experience is not just mine. It's so many things. So many. Yeah. So, but that's like the main context in which I'm going to be fleshing out some of these ideas, how I've experienced God's joy from God through his nearness, through this overarching trust and his overarching goodness, and through obedience. Um, so, to give a little context about me, in summer 2016, my husband and I and our firstborn son, River, were in Kenya as a part of a larger eight-month journey toward four different countries. It was while I attended a women's conference that God reshaped my view on motherhood completely. And there was a word being given about how God is a generational God and how he planned generations ago for each of us in that room to be where we are now to do the work that he planted us there to do. And so, of course, I'm like, thinking about all of my ancestry, like how I got to be here. But, and I think the point at that time was, you know, our purpose in that room. But God was like doing a work in my heart to change my view of motherhood. And, um, yeah, so yeah, how, how limited my view of motherhood was. How seeing my kids simply as a joy for me, and that's it. Or, you know, God has a purpose for their life, but totally missing the grander God story of his desire for them, for himself first. And yes, for purposes in his life, but also for generations to come. Like, that's mind-blowing. And I just felt my spirit this, like, yes, yes, I'm going to partner with you. I'm open to you. Like, whatever purposes you have in my life that are, like, you know, painting or, you know, things that I want to do that are not raising toddlers. Like, I, I... Lay that aside for times where you want to bring your future plans in. That kind of happened there. So, um, and then scriptures for that, just like how the truth of how God creates life for himself first is, here ready <laughs> Revelation 4.11, um, Romans 11.36, Colossians 1.16, and Isaiah 40.37. Um, yeah. So, after Kenya, we spent some time in Haiti which is where we met Eve Rose from our film, Dancing My Soul, when she came here. So that's just a connection for timing. Um, and then after Haiti, we were in Mexico, which is where we discovered we were pregnant with our second child. And soon after that time, we received the name Amelia. And also in a prayer time, a deep sense that she was purposed to walk with people through grief and reveal God's love to them. And of course, at the time, I'm like, picturing her alive, right? But, yeah, it's crazy. A few weeks after that, the physical signs of miscarriage began. And we didn't know what was happening. Like, why people have this and it's okay. Um, but it was still scary. And I remember on the way to the hospital, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was pleading with God to spare this child's life, to keep her vital. And even reading things like, you know, I know heaven is so great. And it's better than here. And life is hard here. But also, like, it's been so great to see you break in. And, like, can't she have that? Like, just that kind of child. Like, please, like, just let her live. And the response that I felt from him was not like, 
she's okay, or even she's with me. It was just this picture from the book of Chronicles of Narnia where Aslan is singing creation into existence. And it was like my spirit knew he was saying, she's a part of my song. She was created intentionally. And, yeah, even though eventually we discovered, like, okay, she's not going to my room anymore, and I'm having a miscarriage, it was something that I looked back on and was like, I needed that thing from God. He was so near to me. He's the last example of his nearness, but also him connecting to me this overarching goodness. Like, her being a part of his creation song is no less a part than any of ours, especially in the realm of eternity, which is mind-blowing. Um, so a few days after that, here's another moment, I left the hospital. I was hit with a huge cloud of depression and despair that felt like a black hole. Like, I don't know if you guys experience this when you're walking, you just like something you hit, you just hit a wall, like you're all okay with it, and then you're just like, this is not okay. And for me, it came with the realization that I had no idea how long I'd been carrying about a lifeless, uh, carrying around a lifeless baby. It really bothered me, and for whatever reason, it did. And I was like, pleading with God, like, I'm not asking why you did this. I'm not even questioning you, but please tell me when this happened. Like, I just need to know. I feel like I need that. And I had no reason to think that answer would. I don't know. I just didn't know where it's going to come because we hadn't gotten ultrasounds. Like, we never saw a baby's heartbeat. Um, but there was one time um, when the miscarriage symptoms started that we did go into, like, an ER clinic, and there was a guy there fumbling around. He wasn't an ultrasound specialist, and he was just like, ooh, pointing at my stomach. <laughs> like, uh, um, and, he, and from him, he was like, and Derek took a few pictures in that moment just to, like, have a memory because he said, oh, the baby looks vital. So we just trust, we're like, well, you seem illegit, but we're going to trust you. Like, it's like news we want to hear. So anyways, we're like, it was like after all the miscarriage stuff happened, and I was wrestling with this, that I remember those pictures, and I sent them to my friends and ultrasound specialists in Florida, and it was like a total shot in the dark. But I cannot tell you how, in the second image, when she's sitting back in the image with a pink circle around what she believes to be Amelia's eight-week gestation form that didn't exist in the first and the third picture, by the way, like seconds apart because, you know, he's moving it around. I can't tell you the wave of, like, love and goodness I felt from the Father that I can't explain any less than joy. Like, I don't know what that is other than joy. Um, so, yeah, he didn't have to answer that, but he was so close to me. He knew I needed that. So, um... Fast forwarding through a lot of life to this past April. So there's Augie, the joy of Augie, and becoming part of this church and moving here, all this stuff happened. Um, last April, I felt a God, again, God asking us, Derek and I, to be open to a child who would want to create. And it's so hard to be through this, but I'm doing my best. Um, in June, we found out we were expecting and we were so thrilled. But also having walked through miscarriage before, um, while I'm praying for that life, praying for vitality, I'm also preparing myself to face sorrow again because, it's, yeah, it's just a possibility. And, like, like God, please give life, but no matter what happens, I'm resolved. I'm your servant. I trust you. And at about 10 weeks pregnant, less than a week after we premiered this, it's my soul here with you guys, I experienced some bleeding. And we endured a really difficult night of unknown anxiety and trauma and battling all affair. And then the next day, we checked into the ER. They did an ultrasound that Derek couldn't be there for. 
and I didn't see the heartbeat, and the lady was not allowed to tell me what was happening. And so, yeah, it was horrible. And then we were put in an off, like a, in a waiting room for an hour before the doctor came in and told us the results. And that hour was like, there was like battle going on in the spiritual realm over us and trauma and anxiety because we've done this before. And, and it's crazy how God used that hour to just make like trauma and anxiety like bow down to God mm-hmm. as we began to just like spontaneously worship Him. It didn't mm-hmm. make sense. Like, it didn't make sense for us to feel that way. But it just came out of us. It's like God, God is there with us. He was like telling us by the Spirit what was happening. And so by the time the doctor came in and was like, I have bad news, it's like we knew already. And I don't, yeah, we were okay. Like, I don't know. He was near to us in that. Um, yeah, and here's another moment. Um, there's so much more in these stories, but um, also, if you ever want to talk to me, I get pushed off. Um, but yeah, skipping ahead to Mount Calvary's burial site for the unborn. I don't know if you guys know this exists. Um, this, yeah, with victory, our second ch- unborn child, my body didn't go into nat- natural process, so we did the EMC, and one benefit of that is that there's like a free service that allows you to take the remains of your baby and they work with partner with Mount Calvary and they hold a service for families, for unborn children, they have a site and everything. So, yeah, that's like huge and no doubt a huge part of God redeeming purpose in my unborn children's lives that their mother and their father can like hug and cry and like be with other mothers and fathers that maybe don't have access to joy and sorrow that only comes from the child God. So, that's like yeah, it's part of their purpose. But anyways, um, this moment is not about that day. It's about the time that Derek and I visited after that. Our first time we returned to that site. And I don't know, you guys can probably relate. If you've ever buried a loved one and then you go back there, it's like all the stuff is there still. It's like you never left or something. So I was kind of anticipating that and I was like, ugh, I don't want to stir up all this trauma, like this unnecessary sorrow and despair. And for sure, that was, like, around. But what happened was crazy. Like, we showed up, and we were sitting there, and like, crying. But what I experienced was, like, a deep, heightened sense of all my senses. Like, the crispness of the air, and the light on the trees, and the breeze, and all this stuff. Like, I just felt very alive to my senses. And it was, like, in that moment, the Holy Spirit gave me a gift, like, However alive I feel in my senses right now, the resurrection life is going to be so much more alive and so much more aware than I can ever know. So, yeah, it's just crazy that, yeah, how we see right now is, is dim. It's a dim mirror, and one day we'll see clearly. And, yeah, I felt so much joy in that moment to realize whatever ways I'm missing my kids right now, my kids who came from the dreams of God's heart and were always for him, that the resurrected life promised to us will include an existence that is even more alive than my most awake moments, and they're a part of that. So, yeah. The final moment I want to share with you is pretty recent, and it involves joy that comes through obedience and abiding. Um, it kind of revolves around a opinion I had originally made um, during the grieving process after Amelia, the first one more child. That was an expression of that original revelation I got from God in Kenya about God being a generational God. 
So the pain is of me sitting in like a garden atmosphere, and my arms just like out, and I'm like looking up, and it's just like for me the symbolic like I'm your servant God. If you want to use me, you can use me. Um, but um, so the, I I did that in 2017. Um, that aside, one thing that I clung to as a comfort during the loss of our second child. Victory was the hope that God might give us another child soon, like he did with God. And that has not been our experience. Um, I didn't realize how much I was clinging to expectation of what God could do or what he had done as a comfort. And so it was like little things like, oh, I want to be like pregnant and like verifiably like past the first trimester with a healthy child before we pass the just due date. And then time passed and that was not going to be a thing. And then it was like, God, I just want to be like, pregnant, like, that would be so great, can you just, like, let me do that, and then it's, like, time passed, like, that's not a thing, and then I just, before Christmas, um, it was Leslie, and I just, like, stripped away the comfort of my expectation, which was almost more painful than my second loss, it was really hard, um, but I felt like this beginning of this year, um, I had this choice, like, God is giving me this choice, like, you're stripping all this stuff, like, do you still want to walk in obedience this way? And gave me that option, and, um, yeah, praying about it, I felt in my heart, like, yes, I want to be your servant, I want to be open this way, um, even if I never bear another healthy child again, even if I suffer the loss of another child, or even if there isn't even another child in my womb, like, that's really hard to say. But I'm your servant. Like, I'm available to you. Have your way with my life. Glorify yourself. All of these things. Um, because, yeah, to say yes and participate in God's kingdom is green. Like, to glorify yourself. It's like, it's, it's like better to say yes to even have a chance, like, to be considered in that way um, than to, like, draw back out of fear of what we might lose. So, because you gain so much, but anyways. Um, so yeah, as an act of recommitment, I repainted the environment with that original painting. Like, I had to repaint it, because I'm like, this is a new choice, and I'm dramatic like that. So I'm re-choosing this posture. Um, and yeah, now going forward, um, we're just actually just one week beyond victory's due date. Um, I stand before you all with this inward joy, not because of what I believe God will do, or even I know we can do, but because walking in obedience to him and enjoying a daily life in his presence and trusting his overarching goodness is where the whole that the, where the whole story is headed is good. Um, that's what gives me joy and sustains me. All right. I'm gonna have Florence come up and she's gonna Pray over Christy. Will you extend your hand? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our sister's vulnerability here today to her spiritual family. We thank you, God, for how you gave her so much joy in time of her sorrow. We thank you, oh God, that all of us have those moments that we received from that our dear sister today. And thank you for comforting her always as you are the and God, we thank you that in everything, give thanks because all things work together for our good for those who love the Lord. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give her one last time. So I want to I want to make one teaching point for today before we have our last one, and that is to like, what is joy, um, and how does it work? And you really see that at work in Christie's story when we talk about like, there's an experience of joy that is wonderfully human that you that like you don't have to be a Christian to experience. So we think about like the joy of Christmas morning. There's, like, most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us experience, like, there's this magic that's happening. We don't quite understand it. Um, the de- a good definition of joy is this. It is the experience of possessing something that you deeply desire. It is the experience of possessing something, of finally having it, that you deeply desire. So on Christmas morning, what do kids want? Toys, presents. Candy, money, I mean, they want many, many things. Yeah, I, there we go. This is, this is the deep mystery of joy in the life of a Christian. It's, it's this. In the future, everything is put back together. Joy is the experience of possessing the future in the present, even though you don't have it yet. There is a future... Everything is put back together. Joy is the experience of possessing the future now. Even though you look in your hands and you're like, it doesn't, I don't actually have all of it yet. Doesn't all make sense yet. So we listen to Christie's story and we're like, that's beyond human. That's the, it is beyond human. Because she's living in a future where everything is put back together and experiencing the future today. That is the good news of Jesus. You have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Everything, you and all of creation, are being put back together. And the experience of that future now is joy. So that being said, our last person to share is the one and only Graham McNeely. Come on up, let's give him a big hand. And Graham is going to be talking about joy in God's presence. Hey, fam. Um, I'm super humbled to be up here. And Aaron texted me. I was like, I don't know if I have a lot to say on that subject. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't consider myself an authority on joy in God's presence. But I, as I ask the Holy Spirit, just like, what, what is my story? What do I know about joy? Um, it's cool. Even in literally like the last hour and a half, he's, he's helped me understand it better. So um, my story is not as organized as Aisha's and uh, Christie's. Um, so walk with me. <laughs> um, what came to mind, one of the... Uh, one of the verses that came to mind for this, which is like tangentially related to my, my uh, story here, is Psalm 21. And I'll just read a portion of it. Um, it says, O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices. In your salvation, how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. 
He asked life of you, you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow upon him, for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Um, so, I, I guess the, the first place that I experienced, like, what I understood to be, like, the joy of the Lord in, like, a really um, tangible way was in when I was in college, I was part of this really amazing community of people that just met with the Holy Spirit regularly in music worship and prayer, and um, I experienced joy in, in all kind of, I mean, Doug, and, and everyone has already spoken about it, but it's really this, this kind of, like, groundedness, this settledness that is, like, deeper than anything in the physical, it's just, it's just further down in my soul and sure than anything that I can like hold on to um, and certainly any circumstances and um, and so I understood that joy in the, the musical worship and the prayer environment to be part of God's presence meeting me and like manifesting in that space and, um, and it was deep and it was rich and, and uh, for a long time like that was that and like large gatherings like this at church um, were some of the only spaces where I experienced uh, kind of that richness of God's presence and, and thus the joy that goes along with it. Um, and then, kind of, I would say probably a couple of years ago, um, from graduating college, getting my first job out of college and moving here to Richmond for that job, um, I began to kind of ask, like, okay, you know, church is, is amazing, musical is a really rich thing to, to be a part of, but how do I engage with God's presence in, like, the other 99% of my life, and just kind of the daily and, and, you know, the occasionally mundane things, like, you know, sometimes going to work, or, you know, getting pulled over like I did this afternoon, um, <laughs> um, and I, I really felt God invite me to do hobbies and my favorite things, you know, the not mundane parts of my everyday life um, with him. And so it, it works out that, like, music has been that for my whole life. I've been uh, a musician and, and um, really gifted, you know, when, when I was a kid, I had piano lessons and all of that. And so that was, like, the first place to start. I was like, okay, I'm going to spend time either writing songs or just in musical worship on my own and, and definitely encounter God's presence there the meat of what I want to talk about is like outside of the things that we would traditionally consider like communion with the Holy Spirit um, in like the, the Christian way. Um, and so I, I actually felt like God was prompting me to invite him into like bike riding or um, working on my car, which is something I strangely really enjoy. Um, or, uh, you know, for, for some people it could be writing or poetry or going on walks or cooking joy to do. Um, and so, the past couple of, of years, I've just taken to saying, like, in, in the everyday, if I'm going to go on a bike ride, if I'm going to, you know, if, um, if I'm going to be working on a car or something, I would just invite the Holy Spirit and say, like, Holy Spirit, like, will you do this with me? Will you, you know, write a song with me? Will you change my boat? 
Um, and what I found is that it doesn't have to be some like particularly religious liturgy to engage with the God of the world because He created it all. Um, and so it's it's like I don't have like an immense amount to say about this other than that my story is one over the past couple of years of like experiencing being fathered by God and the profound joy that comes from God's presence. Like while underneath a twenty year old truck. You know, like that is that is outside of what I I kind of grew up believing that um, God could be or the way that you can engage uh, with him. And so um, and, and that's extended now to um, my wife Shannon and I. We we invite the Holy Spirit and we invite um, God into like budgeting, which we found really helpful. <laughs> um, but just just the everyday things, you know, inviting Him into to hard conversations together, and um, you know, discerning where to to live in Richmond and you know career stuff and all of that, but. Um, yeah, I, I guess really like the, the story that I have the story that I'm kind of in the midst of right now is that cultivating joy um, for me has been something that means inviting God into like the areas of my life that are outside of coming to church or going to house church or um, in musical worship and so I think one of the ways that um, we kind of experience that the, the bringing the future into the now, like Doug was saying, is by inviting God into the everyday parts of the now. And so it doesn't have to be some like really intense experience where like, Holy Spirit, I need you right now to, you know, whatever you're praying or you're interceding. It can also be like your commute to work. Um, and it's not as always like, there, there are obviously like very physical and emotional things that come along with God's presence in. in a lot of instances, um, and I've I found that it's not always like that. But what I what I've experienced is that the Father, like, if you ask Him, He'll show up. Like, if He had, you know, any human heart that is like gonna listen to anything He has to say or just be present with Him, He's there. You know, it's just like so. Um, what I would say is that like I've I've learned from from other folks. This is not like me, but. It's called the fruit of the spirit because it requires kind of the gardening that Aisha is talking about, and, um, and to do that, it kind of requires regular attention, which is why it's helpful to go to house church and come to church and stuff like that. But I found that it's also increasingly helpful to just invite God into your everyday, and um, if that's in your relationships or in your hobbies or your He's just there. He's going to be there. He wants to be part of it. He's not, you know, he's not all lofty, 100%, you know, um, up in the heavens. He's, he's down here um, with us and, and in us. Um, and so inviting the Holy Spirit to do those things can just be a really rich way to cultivate the joy and kind of the sureness that comes from God's presence. And then in those really intense moments where, you know, you're in, in really crazy spiritual warfare and stuff is going on, it's like way easier to reach for it because you've done it in all of these different things throughout your week, month, year. Um, and so it can be more kind of second nature to, to reach for, you know, whatever fruit it is. It doesn't have to be joy, but um, just cultivating a 
those things throughout throughout the regular uh, parts of your life. So, that's my story. Thank you, Graham. Uh, will you all stretch out your hand? Also, if the worship team wants to head to the stage to close out our time together. So, Lord, we thank you for what it is that you are teaching Graham. We ask that you continue to saturate every cracking crevice in his life with your presence. That there would be nothing that is not under the rule and reign of Jesus and outside of the sight of your spirit. So, Lord, we we bless him. We say in the name of Jesus, um, the, the seed that has been planted, um, the Holy Spirit, this experience of joy in your presence, that there would be a hundredfold return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, one, one just little practical thing, and then we're going to, I'm just going to invite you, uh, we're going we're to sing together in a, in a response. Uh, if, if you like to read at all, um, not everyone does. Or maybe if you like audiobooks. Uh, there is a very simple short book um, called Practicing the Presence uh, by a man named Brother Lawrence. It is very old. I mean, 600 years old, maybe-ish. But they've updated it, so it doesn't feel like you're reading something that's 600 years old. Um, but it is, it's an excellent, excellent short book on what it looks like to invite God into the everyday. What it would look like for him to saturate even the most mundane tasks like budgeting. Everyone's favorite. Uh, if you're physically able, I want to invite you to stand. And we're gonna we're gonna have a just a time of response uh, in musical worship, and then we're gonna close up. So, Lord, we whatever it is that you're stirring in our hearts, we ask, Father, that you would that you would settle those things. You would sift what it is that you're saying, that it would be honed in, that you would distill it into a powerful word for us, and that the presence of God I would be here tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to have a short response time. I do want to encourage you, um, if, if there's something that has been said tonight where you just want to seal it, um, and you want to just simply give it to the Lord... I want to encourage you to come just right up here. We've got these pillows. It is our makeshift altar. Um, and it's just a place where you can come and you can pray. Um, there's something about a physical response that is deeply helpful because it connects the interior world with the external world. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if that's you tonight, to come up and pray. And then I will close this out.
If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, the disciples, when they were, they went up to Jesus and they said, Hey, John, your cousin, he's taught his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Uh, and one of the lines that he says is, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in the name of Jesus, there is a future that awaits you. And we are praying in the strong name of Jesus that that future this week would visit your present this week. So Lord, would you bless your people? Would they go in the power and the presence in the almighty name of Jesus Christ with your spirit alive inside of them? And we all say this together. Amen. Thank you so much for being here, Easton Fellowship.